Good morning. Counted a great blessing to be in worship with you this morning. I beg an interest in your prayers as I spend a, a brief amount of time speaking to you this morning. Looking forward to hearing Brother Graham. I saw him sitting here when I came in here this morning, and I'm honestly rather disappointed that Brother Tim went ahead and called on me. I was looking forward to hearing him, but I'd like you to turn with me this morning to First Peter, the first chapter. And we sang multiple songs this morning which alluded to this chapter, to other references throughout the scripture that speak of the Lamb. And Peter was a person who understood a lot about the Jewish traditions, the legalism, and the times that went along with the law service that they would have been engaged in during most of the life of Peter. And we're not exactly sure how old Peter was when he began his ministry under the Lord Jesus Christ, but certainly he was under the law service and he engaged in much of the commandments of the Lord under law service during his life. And he speaks of some of these in First Peter, the first chapter. And he is letting his readers know that the law has been fulfilled by someone. The law, is, the law was meant not to commemorate something of the past, but to point to something in the future. And that we are to remember some things about the Lamb that were spoken of in the law. In First Peter, the first chapter, in the 13th verse, we read, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. And if ye call on the Father who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. Let's pause here momentarily. I know this is a large, very large, very condensed portion of Scripture. But Peter alludes to multiple things throughout this chapter which speak of some events of the past. When the children of Israel were in Egypt, were captives in Egypt, slaves in Egypt, the Lord commanded them to celebrate the Passover. The Passover was started while the children of Israel were in Egypt. And what the Passover was was, very, was relatively simple. There was to be the slaughtering of a lamb, and that lamb was to be eaten. And that lamb was to be eaten with, and the children of Israel were to eat that lamb with their loins girded, with their sandals upon their feet, and their staff in their hand, because the children of Israel were about to depart from Egypt. They were sojourners. That word is used. We are told that the children of Israel sojourned in Egypt. They were just passing through, they were travelers. They're just headed through the state. They're about to leave. And they were told by the Lord to eat the Passover in this way. Peter tells us to gird up the loins of your mind in verse 13. We are to worship the Lord, to serve the Lord as if we are passing through. This is not where we're staying this morning. This is not where we ought to be. And the reason we, ought, we are not to stay here is found in the next several verses. Verse 18 of 1 Peter chapter 1. 
For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. I will tell you this morning, the Lord commands us to serve Him with our loins girded. He commands us to put our belts on, if you will, and act as if we are simply traveling through this world because the Lamb has been slain. The reason that we are departing from this world has been established. When Christ died, that established that He was paid, He paid for the sins of His people in that act so that we might pass through this, from this world without fear to our true home. Do you see that this morning? The lamb that was slain symbolized that the death angel would pass over the children of Israel. He would pass over them. He would not touch them. And after that event would come the children of Israel's exodus from Egypt. Our lamb, as elect children of God, has been slain. That, that has been taken care of. And the next step is for us to depart from Egypt, from this world, to go be with the Lord. Amen. We're sojourners here. Do you see that this morning? The blood has been spilled. The blood has been painted on the doorpost as the children of Israel did. The death angel will pass over. The sting has been taken away. And we are told to dwell in this world as sojourners with our loins girded. Now what are we, what are, how are we to do that here this morning? Before we read about the lamb, before we read about the slain lamb, we receive some specific instructions on how to behave in this world, if you will, as children. I point this out. Um, I've grown up in a house of six wild children. I was the only one who ever listened. <laughs> so I know a lot about obedience. I'm just kidding, not really. I was taught a lot about obedience by my parents and my very obedient siblings. And an obedient child to me, is a child who has mastery over their passions. What I mean by that is we're surrounded in a world today that is full of people who have no mastery over their passions. It is in your nature as a man or a woman, in your sinful nature, it is pro- you probably find the wrath inside yourself to burn up a car, burn down a building, bust out some windows, hurt people, needlessly running around committing crimes. That is in you. I assure you today, that is in me more than any of you. But what do we do? We have to master those immediate passions that come to mind whenever we're angry. When a child's going through the Walmart checkout line, if you will, and they ask for a piece of candy or whatever it may be, and their mother tells them, no, you can't have that right now. We're on our way out. We're in a rush. I'm not stopping for that right now. You don't need that right now. They immediately fall down on the floor and start to scream and act like they've been bit by a rabid dog. That is not mastery of their passions. So when we read these verses today, wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. That is, restrain the natural inclinations of your mind to evil. Be sober. We say, brother, I'm on the water wagon. I don't have to worry about that. That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about being discreet. Realizing when to say, when to say something, when not to say something. How to deal with situations. In short, being wise. And hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The children of Israel, when they were in Egypt, 
they were living, they were symbolizing the hope that we ought to have of the return of Jesus Christ. Them eating that meal with their staff in their hands and their sandals on their feet was symbolizing the hope that we ought to have as we live in this life. We should hope for the return of Jesus Christ. The children of Israel were hoping that they could be brought out of slavery. They had a confident expectation that they were to be delivered. They were not eating the meal like we would eat a meal on the 4th of July. I know that's the next holiday coming up. And I know when I eat a meal on the 4th of July, I generally make it a common practice to just eat till I can't move. They were eating standing up, probably, with their staves in their hands and their shoes on their feet because they were ready to depart. Children of God, this is how we ought to live. We should hope to the end, to the very end, for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The next time any of this world will see Jesus Christ. This, the next time this world will be graced with the direct presence of Jesus Christ is when He returns. Amen. I hope you hope and long for that. Because that's what the children of Israel did. They didn't want to be in the low ground of sin and sorrow that they were in. They were tired of the toil. They were tired of the labor and the sorrow that they felt at the loss of their children. They were ready to depart out of that land. I'm tired of this world many days. I'm tired of it. That doesn't mean, but I look forward to be reunited in a place where I can be with you all. I'm not tired of you all. I'm just tired of this place where I'm constantly parted from you all. I'm constantly parted from my family. I'm worried about the things of this world. I'm worried about what my next step in life will be. And I'm ready to be clean of that, to be free of that. The way that we pursue that is to be as obedient children. Verse 14. Not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts and your ignorance. As I said before, part of being an obedient child is mastering our natural inclination to anger and wrath whenever we're denied something that we want. And it's also about crucifying the lust of our flesh daily. If one of the major indications of that is the way that we indulge ourselves in our society without thinking about really the consequences whatsoever. You can fill the gap in with that. We have to think, when we're not, people do not think about the long run, about what the eventual end of their indulgement is, that generally leans to trouble. Whether it's in a relationship, whether it's in some temporal activity, whether it's in just food they're consuming. It could be any of those things. The Lord commands us that our primary focus should be the fact that we're about to be delivered from Egypt. Now, verse 15 sort of sums it all up by saying, But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Now, we've been told about how to gird our minds. We have been told about how to curb the lusts of our flesh. Now we're being told how to watch our conversation. I believe that about covers it all. If you can control your mind and you can control your body and you can control your mouth, which oftentimes words come out of your mouth without even really thinking about them. They just spit out. I do that every single day because I'm of a very sometimes volatile and passionate personality and I a lot of times say things without thinking. So if we control our body and we control our mind and we control our conversation, we have it about all covered, don't we? Sounds relatively easy. 
verse 16, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. The true fulfillment of all these things that we have just read about is to be holy as God is. We understand that's not possible here in this world. Even if we could curb our natural inclinations to wrath and anger and malingerings and all sorts of the things that we deal with on a daily basis, our bodies would still be decaying because of sin. You know, I was outside using a pit yesterday to dig a drainage ditch as a favor to my dad. And uh, I realized that, you know, I'm a sin-cursed human being because I'm 17 years old. That's what I do every day. I dig in the dirt every day pretty much. And uh, my back was hurting this morning. I got up and I had to remember, I'm a sin-cursed human being. I may be 17 years old. I may not even be in my prime yet to some of you all. I may still be a very small child probably. But my back still hurts. My body is still decaying because of sin. And it doesn't matter how well I can curb the natural inclinations of my mouth, the sinful activities of my hands, and the wandering paths of my feet. I am still under sin. And so, if we call on the Father, verse 17, who without respect of the person, persons judgeth according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. That word here is very important. Because as we read this verse, we have to realize that the Father's judging of our works has nothing to do with the shed blood of the Lamb. The Father looked at the shed blood of the Lamb and said, that is good. I approve of that. That is a sacrifice that I am pleased with. That sacrifice is sufficient to take away the sins of God's elect people. And God looked at that and He said, that is sufficient. The judging of our works here in time by the Father has nothing to do with the shed blood of Jesus Christ. That is finished. But as we walk here on this earth and we look at God's holiness and try to pattern our steps after that in some small way, we ought to remember that God is looking at that. And also remember, verse 18, it's so incredible to me how Paul, I mean, Peter blends this all together. For as much, or because of this, as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers. I'm sure Peter was standing here thinking, I have been part of the vain conversation. I have been part of the tradition. I was part of the betrayal of Jesus Christ. But I look back on all that now. I look back on the gold and the silver of the temple. I look back on the thousands of sheep and animals sacrificed to the Lord. And I realize that that was nothing to be compared to the sacrifice that I witnessed. The sacrifice that I witnessed on the hill of Calvary when Jesus Christ gasped His life's breath as a sacrifice for the sins of His people. Peter realized that was nothing compared to that. But I saw, Peter saw a lamb. The precious blood of Christ. As of a lamb without blemish and without spot. As you read about the lamb in the Scriptures, as you go back to the first mention of the, one of the first mentions of the sacrifice of the lamb in Genesis chapter 22, when... Abraham tells Isaac as they go up to sacrifice, God will provide a lamb. As you read about the probably thousands and thousands of sheep and bulls and turtle doves and other animals that were sacrificed to the Lord at His commandment, realize that that was a foreshadowing of the sacrifice of the perfect lamb, the Son of God, 
when you read about John in the first chapter of the book of John saying, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. That is this Lamb. I would ask you today to gird up your loins. Put on your sandals on your feet. Take your staff into your hand. Eat the bread of this world in haste. Realize that this mouthful that I'm taking right now is just a mouthful before my departure. And then you set that down on the table and you reorient your focus on our Lord and Savior. The Lamb of God that was slain. It's such a blessing to be with you this morning. Looking forward to hearing Brother Graham. Pray the Lord continue to bless for the rest of the service. It's such a blessing to be here. I love you all.